Touch them all, Joe. <laughs> Andy Crosby, the golden goal. Welcome to the Backstage Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silver. In this no-holds-barred episode, I'm in conversation with Jonah Siegel of the Toronto Sports Media Blog. Jonah, thanks for joining us. How are you? Doing great. How about yourself? You know, doing well. You know, it's the kind of middle of winter here in Canada, and we're having our, our round of the polar vortex uh, right now. I, you're, you're, you're not with us, brother. You're, you're in a little bit warmer climate, right? Yeah, this is, you know, it's funny. I'm out here in Seattle, obviously a Torontonian. This is, um, this is the worst time of year here. Uh, unlike you, so it looks to me like the sun is shining where you are. It might be freezing cold, but we don't get a ton of sunshine. Like people talk about rain in Vancouver uh, and Seattle. It's not the rain, it's the damp and the dark. So from call it November to March, April, it's just very gray and depressing. I never believed in seasonal depressing depression until I moved here. And typically I tell people you just need to get out uh, with the pandemic a little harder to do so, but no complaints. We're all good. Family's okay. No, that's uh, that's super important. Touch wood. Everybody here, everybody there is so far Corona free and uh, no issues, thankfully. Thank God. Thank God. Well, there's a bunch of juicy topics that I want to get into with you for our chat today. Of course. But before we, before we do that, because I mean, I've gotten to know you over the last few years uh, directly through some mutual friends, but some people still might not know kind of the person, the personality behind the Toronto sports blog. So I wanted to get your take on, you know, wh- why you started it like a dozen. <laughs> so I, re- I left Toronto in 1990 and, and came back in 2004 and two things going on. One, I had two little kids back to a city, new job, uh, and coming home from work, I needed to blow off steam and I decided to open a WordPress account and just start typing. Uh, the other thing that happened was that the Toronto team sucked, uh, all of them. And the media at that time had really hooked on to this negativity trait. And it was really popular for uh, media members to be really negative about Toronto teams. And I found that no matter what Toronto teams did, it was always dumped on and negative. And I just thought that was very inauthentic. And somebody does something stupid, by all means, go ahead, call it. But not every single thing they were doing was awful. And so while I sat in my office all day, I'd keep sports radio on quietly. Uh, At night, I would come home, put the kids to bed. And this is really before social media took off. And I would just start typing. And I would say, hey, did you hear McCowan on primetime sports today? He said this, that, the other. My promise to myself was I would never make it personal. And I would try and make try and be consistent. And that is that if Howard Berger said something great one day and stupid the next day, I would uh, declare it and just call a spade a spade. So at the time, there was a lot of competition in the space. I was literally doing this for me. It was just it was a fun way to distract from life. And uh, out of the blue one day, a very well-known media personality in Canada reached out and said, I've been following your stuff. It's awesome. And it's just taken off. And here we are some, you know, 16 years later or so. Uh, And 
all the competition is gone. There's nobody left in print who covers sports media in Canada. Uh, I'll say a big chunk of it is Twitter, but to me, uh, and I think you want to get there, you know, success comes from relationships and that's how you and I met. Yeah. Thanks for taking us back. The, the way that you positioned it, it makes, it makes so much sense. I mean, I growing up in Toronto, you know, knowing the, the rise of the fan and, and McCowan and, you know, the cult following that the man has had for, for decades. I mean, it's a religion like to listen to that. And, and I know that he's trying to do what's best for all of us, but inevitably you know, what we hear and the negativity, not, not just from him, but obviously from sports writers as well, not really from broadcast. That's something else that you and I are definitely going to get into today, but that notion that, you know, players, and I think in particular, we focus on, on the Maple Leafs more than any other franchise in the city, you know, especially for a player who was born in Toronto and raised through that kind of culture and following I could see how they don't want to come play in that kind of a media market no different than there are markets in the United States for even hockey or other sports that you might want to achieve that pinnacle of playing in New York or LA or maybe Miami depending on the sport but you you don't want to be in that kind of powder keg where you, you never know how your personal life or an offhand comment could really take you down and put you out of favor in that city. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think first of all, just like restaurant reviews or product reviews on the internet, uh, we are attracted to hot and cold. You know, you're not going to post a review on anything that was just okay. That's boring. So, you know, the media tends to gravitate, unfortunately, I think, to the negative, which is really easy. Blown save, blown shutout should have saved it, should have had it, should have, like, the negative is easy to sell. What we've learned recently, especially in Toronto, I think, is that the uber positive is really sellable as well. Like, we love, if things are great, we actually like that too. You know, the, the Raptors meteoric rise, um, the Blue Jays off season so far. So the hot, the highs and lows are easy to sell. The second point, which I think you're driving at, is that there's this notion out there that athletes or media personalities don't read listen or pay attention and not just bs they do um and there's lots of stories and and, and the most recent one is is tyson berry talking about his experience in toronto and just it was very very difficult and look like none of us experience the situation where we've got x number like 50 plus reporters evaluating our day job day in and day out let alone being the, the focal point of you know, three or four newspapers, four or five TV stations, two all sports radio shows, microphones in around, in around us all the time and, and being evaluated constantly. That's a lot of pressure, irrespective of the money you're being paid. I think, uh, you know, a lot of folks have said that uh, I interviewed somebody who, uh, on my own podcast who said that what he's heard a lot of is it's, it's not the volume in Toronto it's the negativity and, and, and just how personal it is. And the minute the media gets a hold of someone or an issue, they don't let go. And it is overwhelming and really hard for some to deal with. Well, since you brought it up and I want to make sure you give it a nice plug here, just tell us the name of the podcast and generally what you focus on. Sure. Uh, thank you. It's called Believe in the Press Row. That's B-L-E-A-V in the Press Row. And just, just like the website, we, we try and deal with issues in, in sports media and, and talk to 
to personalities, whether it's, you know, Ron McLean or uh, John Shannon, you know, any of the folks on TSN, like there's, there's tons of names out there. Um, just had Doug Smith on. He has an unbelievable book out there on the, the 25 years history of the Raptors. Um, you know, talking about some of these issues with him, um, the issue of, you know, is it hard to attract players in Toronto? Yes. Does that seem silly to Canadians? Yes. But that doesn't mean it's not a thing. It is. Uh, the fact that you can't get ESPN in Canada easily is an annoyance. And when everyone's about to pay you the same amount of money, you want the least amount of annoyances possible. Um, so yeah, we talked to we talked to people in and around sports media and current events, and just try and take a different lens. I, I typically don't write about or interview people on the X's and O's of sports. There's tons of experts out there that do that. I try and cover those who can cover it and try and get an understanding of what's going on there. So for my audience, you know by now, that's why I'm interviewing Jonah and not the other way around. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't quite have the content that he needs, which, which is totally <laughs> fine, by the way. <laughs> Continuing on kind of the here and now, which is really your focus. So thanks, thanks for uh, describing that. You know, as we look into the spring and the summer, at least in Canada, I can only really speak for Toronto and the province of Ontario, it doesn't seem like there's going to be fans in stands, you know, anytime soon, maybe the fall, but that, that's, that's beyond the scope of what I want to chat with you about today. I mean, we've seen, uh, we've seen the Leafs uh, all of a sudden just the other day. And I don't, I don't like dating the podcast too much, but uh, the Leafs have played Edmonton the other night and Connor McDavid had an absolutely unbelievable goal. Yep. Uh, and, um, and all of a sudden, like oh, the Raptors, unfortunately are just not the team that, we've come to expect over the last couple of years. And so as a Toronto sports fan, I mean, what I'm seeing is there's talk about the Blue Jays, as you've already mentioned, and there's a lot of excitement around that team. No expectation they're going to be playing in Canada, by the way, anytime soon. And then, um, you know, I'm really enjoying this North Scotiabank division. I, I, it's kind of like I'm pitching myself because like every single game I want to watch now, again, because I live in Toronto, I don't necessarily get every matchup, especially when the West team play each other, like a, you know, a Vancouver versus Edmonton. Like we don't get that because we live in Toronto. Anyway, this is some of the funny business that we might talk about today the, of, of the rights landscape, but what's your take on the next couple of months as it relates to, to the Toronto sports scene really with a bend toward, toward, toward the media, but also how the media is going to cover this weird dynamic of Canadian teams, not even being in Canada. Well, let's talk about hockey first. Um, you know, Gary has giveth, Gary's going to have to take it away. Um, yeah, I heard a couple guys on the radio the other day saying that before a football game, they caught some of the other American hockey. I think Chicago was playing Detroit and the comment was, it was like watching the KHL. Like they had no idea who any of the guys were like Canadians are being spoiled right now. Um, you know, seven days a week, there's a game worth watching. And when was the last time we actually said that, right? Like. There have been, you know, in years, I think part of the challenge on a rating side has been there's been too much content. And as much as the powers that be at Rogers thought that the new deal would mean so much content, everyone's going to be elated for 24-7 hockey, it's just too much. And on a market-by-market basis, for the most part, you watch your team and that's about it. Um, But now we've got this all-Canadian division where every game matters. And I think... Uh, I haven't seen the, the latest numbers, but I'm told they're starting to creep up again into, into the good territory, which is nice to see. Um, baseball is going to be interesting. 
you know, you know, baseball, basketball, so you, you have hockey, baseball, basketball, it sounds like baseball is going to try and postpone things for a month, which I think makes sense. Um, Super Bowl is this weekend. It's very weird. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm told the Kansas City Chiefs don't get into Tampa, I think, until Friday or maybe even Saturday. So this whole week-long festivity, hotel lobbies full of broadcasters, broadcast, like all that has gone the way of the dodo. On the Toronto side, it's, it's bizarre. Like you talk to the folks who cover the Raptors right now, and their day is built around Zoom calls. Um, you know, they're sitting at home twiddling their fingers, figuratively speaking, waiting, as opposed to being in the action and, 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 and getting live responses and going to games, like a lot of the sourcing information isn't happening because that is based on human relationships and interaction with folks in and around the games or practices. That's just not happening. So I think long-term, the coverage is going to suffer. Uh, it's okay when we have games, but um, that's where we're headed. Uh, my prediction uh, based on just a, a guess is irrespective of what happens with all of these vaccines, I don't know how quickly people are going to want to go back to indoor arenas to watch sports. Outdoor, maybe. Uh, maybe the Jays have an advantage there. But I think it's going to be a long time yet before we're inside a venue with a roof over us watching a live event, be it a concert or a sporting event. Like, I can't see that really happening before 2023. Like, I don't know if I want like, even if I have the vaccine, it's not 100%. Like, you, you get the flu shot, you can still get the flu. Yeah, you're not going to die. But, you know, I think our mentality's changed. And I think that's going to be a pain point for a long time. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, listen, we don't speak for everyone, but uh, there are certain diehards who are going to love to go back. That's totally fine. I think that's that's their choice. You know, we, we haven't quite hit this point when uh, the vaccine is so prevalent out there in the world that we have uh, we have a whole other class of people. That's right. That have their vaccine passport. But, you know, that has to be dealt with. I'm sure that every technology department of every venue is trying to think about how they how they deal with that. Um, the Super Bowl, I think, like you already mentioned it, um, this podcast will, will drop after the Super Bowl. So people would have already seen how the impact of the vaccinated world took place in, in you know, the biggest sporting event in North America anyway. Yeah, I think that from my perspective, they're all doing a great job. Don't get me wrong. The fact that they can all pull this off, both last season and now this season, is nothing short of remarkable. And they're doing the best with an awful situation. I'll tell you, like, I think baseball is the worst without fans. It just seems so, it's outdoors, but it just seems so cavernous. Um, I struggle with it. Like, I really have a hard time getting the feel for the environment, even if they're pumping in fake noise. It just... You know, those covers over seats just looks weird. No matter how many times I watch it, it just, I, I find it hilarious when they celebrate and score a goal. I just think that's funny. You know, seeing guys score a touchdown and then jump up into the end zone against the back wall with nobody there is funny. Like, it just seems odd to me. So I, I personally am having a tough time with it. Well, I, I think when we look at, at football and, and potentially it's, you know, the way the NFL is covered, the number of cameras and camera angles that they have, you know, I like to think that if that the CFL will be able to come back and when it does come back, there, there can be 
little bit of a better broadcast product, more in line with what we see in the NFL so that we don't have this kind of cavernous view that you're talking about. But what I wanted to get to with you to continue on the path of, of media and personalities, mm-hmm. I've, uh, I have found, I have discovered the Bob McCowan podcast. I'm sure you have as well. You might have some guests in common. Uh, I was listening to an episode actually today because I had some dwell time in the parking lot as my my daughter went in for her uh, orthodontist appointment and of course yep. couldn't couldn't accompany her so I'm catching up on my podcast so I heard a a two parter with Nelson Millman uh, you know the man the legend who who built the fan and and uh, well and handed it off and uh, for, for anyone who's curious about the Toronto talk radio sports scene listen to that two parter with Bob and Nelson, quite uh, quite the eye-opening and uh, divulging stories to be told. But what do you think about what Bob is doing? Uh, Nelson was long gone by the time Bob was, uh, you know, given his pink slip. And, and, how, and, you know, let's get your initial thoughts and then we'll kind of get into the business side and what becomes of it. Um, Bob remains the best interviewer, in my opinion, in, in sports, in sports media, in, I can't speak of outside of North America, but engaged Bob McCowan is the best radio host there is. Um, I, w- I was talking to my son's radio high school teacher and, and said to him, there is an art to listening. Uh, Larry King, who just passed, talked about it a lot, that the biggest, the best, the most important tool an interviewer has is his or her ears. And Bob, People mock Bob because they say he's unprepared. He shows up five minutes before the show. But what he does really well is he has at least an overview of the topic at hand. But he then asks a question and actually listens to the answer. Question two is based on the answer to question one. And and that's what he does best. So a lot of folks have five things they want to ask whoever. And they just rattle through them, irrespective of what gets said. The good guys and gals know how to actually conduct an interview. And that's why he's the best. And when he's engaged on a topic that he's interested in, there's nobody better than Bob. And, you know, I think the amount of money he made at the fan ended up being his undoing because the NHL deal was so uh, costly for the reason, part of the reasons we talked about, that they had to hit a number. And the easiest way to get to the number was chop some of the big names. So gone are a lot of the big names they brought in and, and Bob McCallum was there and the station uh, has spiraled downward ever since. And, and they seem fairly rudderless right now, I would say. Um, let's come back to, let's come back to this as part of a bigger, a bigger topic. I, I want to deal with, uh, with you. It, it is all centered around the sports net and their five mm-hmm. platforms, which I think are now four, if I have it right as of today. Yeah. Uh, when we're looking at Bob, you know, in Canada right now, I would, I would say we, we don't have much of a podcast business. Uh, there's certainly lots of podcasters and we see, you know, the normal, the normal uh, media companies, whether it's CBC, who's done a fabulous job at it. We see that there's some from TSN and, and Bell Media and obviously from, from Rogers Media as well. But we haven't seen, you know, like a Joe Rogan or a Bill Simmons type hire. Um, so I'm asking, do you think any of these companies, whether really I'm not worried about which platform it is, uh, Spotify, you know, obviously comes to mind first and foremost, but we have kind of iHeartRadio up here. You think someone's going to write Bob a check and get him to come on network? 
that's a great question. I mean, I, I, so I, let me come to the Bob part second. Let me answer the first part. I think there's a lot of gray area around what a podcast is. And is, is, is the ability to stream a radio show, is that a podcast? Because lots of stations are doing that, um, some better than others. You know, irrespective of where you are in the country, if you want to listen to a segment on TSN Sports Radio from either Vancouver, Montreal, or Toronto, you can do that. They do a really good job of breaking it down segment by segment, hour by hour. So if Ray Ferraro is your cup of tea, you can go on and find his segments across the network. Uh, if you want to listen to hour one, you can find hour one. The fan, which I don't understand, only breaks it down show by show. So if you want to listen to uh, Writer's Block with, with Jeff Blair and uh, Richard Dyke and or Stephen Brunt, you got to download the whole block, uh, which I think is very ineffective and lazy. So that, that you know, that's one question, you know, there's lots of that going on. So there's tons of streaming content available. I think that part of the challenge is that we have the, the, the one thing that the internet and streaming has done is blown the border away. And that is, you know, before we could protect Canadian content pretty well, that has eviscerated. So if you want to listen to any of the folks that you wanted to, they're there and they're readily available. You know, could Bob become that person? I, I listen, I love Bob. I listen to Bob. I'm 48. Uh, my son, who's 18, he's not going to listen to Bob. That's just, you know, bringing in Bob's guests isn't topical for him. You know, is there an opportunity for someone to get and step into that space? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think this whole podcast streaming thing is going to evolve. I think different personalities are going to come up and I think the whole medium is going to continue to get disrupted. And I think those, I think that we are going to get out of this pandemic. Are we all going to go back to a desk job and go back to the daily commute? Maybe, maybe not. So the whole time in the car is probably going to change, but I think, you know, I know consuming of audio content is going to exist. And I think personalities are going to find different vehicles to get there and they're going to find profitable ways to do it. Yeah, and that's part of what, that's part of where I wanted to go with our conversation today was looking kind of deep in, into the future. But before I got I get there in particular, you know, something that I, you know, with all the things that we do in our career, sometimes we forget about things that maybe may are milestones to other people. Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to I wanted to bring out from from my audience that I completely forgot about was uh, during my time running digital at TSN. That's when we actually launched um, the national radio strategy. So that was through an acquisition of Bell Media bought Astral. And then we had these stations that were, and it was an interesting time because the ESPN brand and ESPN ownership was really centered around the television network. The radio stations were part of a different business. So, and I'm, I can't get into all the specifics because I'm sure it's confidential of how that played out. But in reality, ESPN had to say, yes, it's okay right. to go and create these radio stations. And then the digital product, that was mine. And there was this, this regional strategy that I thought we can really build on. And, and we've had, you know, we've had Steve McAllister on the podcast before, and he was part of you know, Bell Globe Media Interactive, you know, at the turn of the century and, uh, and part of TSN Max, which ultimately failed. And as did the initial partial acquisition of kind of CTV by Bell. And then of course they bought the whole thing a few years later. 
But looking at that radio strategy, it was kind of reinventing that. And like you said, that that philosophy that Sportsnet has around just chopping up shows versus segments. I mean, that's something that right from the beginning with the TSN radio strategy, it was like, no, no, we need we need bits of content like like the same the same way we have a feature from you know SportsCenter. We need that we need that interview and feature from radio. And and I'm I'm really happy to see they've stuck with it. But of course, what hasn't happened is. You know, when you go to, you know, TSN 1150 in Hamilton, that's not your TSN homepage. You still need to go to TSN.ca and you still don't have that. I'm not even calling it personalized. I'm just calling it contextualized regional experience on TSN's digital properties or even sports nets, which, which really hurts, you know, their audio product. But anyway, I don't need you to comment on it unless. Oh, here, here's what I'll, I'll say a couple of things. One, I, I say this tongue in cheek. So no offense to anybody, but like we all have ADD. Like we can't sit through what we used to sit through. We do not have social media has given us, you know, whether it's 130 characters at a time, a short YouTube video, like our attention spans are, are small. Uh, TikTok, you know, the average TikTok video, I think is like 15 seconds and they're getting millions of views watching people pop their zits. Like, um, so small bites of content are, are it. Uh, so finding a way to that audience is critical. You know, I'm not sure if you saw the news, but um, I see that Colin Cowherd is opening a sports podcast network. Um, Dan Levitar just left ESPN to start a podcast sports network. Um, on, the, on the written side, you have, you know, the Players Network or the Players Tribune. So the players are creating their own content. Um, this is evolving and it's evolving quickly and small bits of content for me when I want them, how I want them on what I want them are, are going to just continue. So, you know, I may start listening to a podcast on my walk on my phone, but when I sit down, I want it on my desktop to pick up exactly where I was. And when I go to bed at night, I want it on my iPad or on the radio next to me that's streaming from my device, right? Like that that omni-channel experience of content uh, is, is what is coming for sure. But it's it's definitely pick and choose. Like, I'm not a big gambler. So when any of the sports talk shows do the um, daily picks, I flip. Like when I used to drive in the car, that's when I would change channels. And just an example, like one of the first things I did on my blog at torontosportsmedia.com, I don't do it anymore, was the daily schedule for the drive home show. And I would reach out to both the fan 590 and the other station. At one point it was 640. Then it became TSN. It was like, all right, here's who's on waters. Here's who's on McAllen. Why? Because people didn't have the ability to listen to both. And if you knew that Brian Burke was going to be on with McAllen at four, but you really wanted to listen to JP Ricciardi at five, you knew to switch around and those posts um we're off the charts so people want customization that's what we what we want we all don't want to be hearing the same thing all the time yeah and i i know that there's been efforts here in canada to do that but what what many canadians fail to see is you know their experience that they get on espn or even the experience they get on the score um who've done a phenomenal job with with their app um these are technology companies kind of at the core there's obviously content in espn let's let's not lose sight of that but you know, Rogers and, and Bell are not technology companies. They buy technology and then they package it and sell it. 
So before we lose track too much of time here, over the last six years, you know, since the, uh, the, the, big, the big NHL deal went down and changed the landscape of sports broadcasting in Canada, there's been a lot of change on the Sportsnet side trying to figure that out. You already made light of it earlier. So looking at some of the names, you know, Strombo and Grapes, you already, we already talked about Bobcat a little bit, Kipper, others, you know, they're all out. Yep. And there's this old guard from CBC, great broadcasters, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, Ron, Cuthbert now, Friedman, Amber, they're, they're back. And uh, how did that happen? The only thing I can say is this is just a guess. It appeared to me that the powers that be at Rogers couldn't figure tomorrow out. And in a bridge to tomorrow, they went with today. And if you look at radio and you look at TV, that's the methodology. So circle back to Bob. Why would you keep Bob on primetime sports? when he's not gonna generate the younger audience. Cause the audience you have today likes Bob. So no, it doesn't address a more female, a younger, a more diverse audience, but it satisfies your market today. So do the current folks do that? You know, they're trying to get younger now. Um, is it working? I don't think so. I think it's tired. I think that the sports, I think on the hockey side, the sports, biggest problem is lack of creativity and ways to find the players to become the game and to become the story. Uh, I don't know why it's so difficult, but it seems that we feature everything but the players. And there's great stories out there about the players and some of them are unbelievable characters. Um, The panel is so overused, so overblown and I, I, again, I think it's waiting. I think they're waiting to see what's next. They're, they've been thus far, in my opinion, unwilling to try and innovate. Um, and we're stuck with the familiar. And the, the, the risk, if you will, is the audience of tomorrow just tunes out because there's so many other things that are catered directly to them. I know more people that tune out and go for a walk or go grab a drink or what have you during an intermission where it used to be must-see TV. I don't know exactly how old you are, but where I think we're roughly the same age. But I remember growing up and watching on Hockey Night in Canada. The, you know, I think it was the, the Brian McFarland Peter Puck Showcase Showdown, or whatever it was called, where they'd be at like the Forest Hill Arena over the summer skating through pylons doing shooting drills. Like, that to me was a hell of a lot more exciting than the panel. You know, the hot stove lounge had its moment when it had great external personalities. You know, Larry Brooks, Al Strachan, John Davidson. They weren't necessarily better broadcasters, but they had better stories. And it was more like, here's what I'm hearing. Here are the rumors. Uh, it's now just one big panel. And it just seems to me tired and old and not innovative at all. And by the way, that's across all the sports. It's the same in the NFL. Like, do you find halftime shows in the NFL any different now than they were when they were, you know, Leslie Bissler and 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 uh, 
you know, Jimmy the Greek and Irv Cross. Like, no, that that still is there. Like, guys, guys, innovate, do something different, be more well, interactive. We do have some bright spots. I mean, and and we'll Jonah and I will give full disclosure. I mean, we have a good friend in common, my man D Dave Dave Cricks. He's been on the podcast here early days. Uh, he did create right from within the, the belly of the beast bar down. It it is it is not any of those things. And he over COVID. There's been some innovation because they couldn't create content. There were no games going on early COVID. So they brought some of that bar down content on network. But how do you feel about and, and we haven't seen oh sports goodness, that be able to replicate? So, that. so so I was talking strictly about game production. You know, TSN did one thing very cool during the World Juniors. You know, the, the what I'm gonna call the hologram player interview from a technology standpoint, very cool. But it was still an intermission interview with a player who doesn't say anything really all that interesting. Like, do you really, when was the last time you watched an in-game interview with a player or manager that was the least bit interesting or the least bit newsworthy, right? Like, you know, Pete, um, Pete Carroll's running off the field or running on the field, you know, at halftime and, and Aaron Andrews grabs him and says, you know, what do you, what do you need to do for the second half? Uh, we need to run the ball better. Thanks. Like, like there, there's a moment in interviewing history that I cannot believe I missed. Right. I'm, I'm talking about the four walls of game production. Oh, like, like, Spon to, like SpongeBob and, uh, and the Nickelodeon NFL broadcast. See, that's brilliant, right? That is innovation. That is how do you bring something mundane to kids when mom and dad are doing it. But and it wasn't even kids who ended up watching that as we saw the data. It was that's right. other, it was of older. Course. So, so my point is, you know, do something, I, I love the hometown hockey feature. I think it's a great idea going coast to coast with the small communities and featuring. Like, I think that's a great idea. Why do you like everyone asked the question when grapes got gone, um, who's going to replace them on coach's corner? The answer, nobody. Why? It's a tired segment. You know, you don't have to do that. So, you know, who are the new insiders? Like, why are you still doing that? Like there's so much of that in our daily lives. Bring in something different. Do Try something. I don't know. Like, it, you got a chance. You've got the audience. Try something different. I'm trying innovation outside. Yes, innovation in game. You know, from from you know, game started. You know, seven to ten. Do something different. All right. So let me ask you, since something different has to happen, cord yeah. cutting is going to continue. We know yeah. this. Recently, um, specifically at, at Bell Media, there was some massive restructuring. You know, it was an interesting article in the Toronto Star by former uh, CTV News, longtime CTV News employee Mark Sixstrom talked about it. We're not going to digest this today on the podcast, but the point is massive change at Bell Media. The, the consensus says it's about distribution and OTT, and, and most of that we know falls on the kind of the CTV scripted content world, not so much sports, but with this focus on on OTT and now betting is coming to Canada. You're ahead of us in the US there. So what's the top priority on the future of this of this format of, we're gonna stick with this concept of live sports production so that the audiences continue to subscribe, continue to watch, advertisers continue to you know pour money into sponsorships and commercial time. You know, where's this going? I think what, what Netflix and Disney and Hulu have taught us is that the audience is ready for change and we want content on demand our way for us and we're willing to pay for it and willing to pay a premium for it. The only area where it has been 
constant is live sports. Um, you should listen to Scott Galloway's podcast because he's talked a lot about the fact that CNN should go behind a paywall. Oh, I'm an avid listener. So 24-7 news where everything is breaking news is ridiculous, right? Like reduce it down to four, four hosts, do four great shows a day. And yeah, if something does actually break that is groundbreaking, you can break in with somebody. But I think that sports is going to go that way. And I think that we are going to pay for subscription services that are catered just to us. You know, I think the Dodo is the highlight show. You know, there's just no appetite. There's no interest. The minute, you know, you said to me, like, did you see, uh, you talked about Connor McDavid's goal. Like, I wasn't watching the Leaf game in the moment. The minute it happened, my phone exploded and I could have watched it on every social media plan, uh, channel, email, web, like, you name it, I had it. Like, there was no reason for me after a game to watch a highlight show. Uh, so I think that's going to change. The biggest thing that I'm looking for is advertisement customization personalization and the ability for you and i are probably too similar but people in different parts of the world watching content in different age demographics being being sent uh different ad experience we get it on the internet all the time through cookies they know exactly who's visiting a website you know go look at a product on amazon and see how many times you find that product on every single website you visit for the next six weeks so why is it on TV that we're all getting restless leg syndrome commercials when we watch something? You know, why are we all seeing ads that have zero chance of us ever buying? It just makes no sense. So I think that technological advancement of customization, personalization, and advertising and marketing in streaming content is the next thing to come. And I think marketers will, will pay a ton for that. I right, listen, for, for the audience and... Jonah and I are to blame. We, we, we didn't set it up properly. I mean, Jonah in his day job, you know, for at least the last 20 years has been innovating with some of the biggest brands on the planet, Amazon, Starbucks in Canada, Holt Renfrew. And so he's an expert to speak about the role of evolution of technology and product. Um, we don't have enough time to unpack all of his, all of that part of his life. That's something you're going to have to connect with him on LinkedIn for. But we do have time for Jonah, and I'm happy to expand this to any part of your life, not just your mm. experience being the center of rumor uh, in the Toronto sports media scene. There's a few questions we like to ask every guest on the show. So sure. now, now, it, now it's your turn. So if you had to pick one moment in your career that's most memorable, what would it be? Boy, oh man, in my career. Well, I will say that when I graduated college, I went to work for the Detroit Vipers, which was an IHL hockey team then owned by the Detroit Pistons. And Rick Dudley was the GM and he didn't, he didn't hire me. The head of HR hired me as an intern. And, but my first day at work, he walked into the office and was, who the hell are you? And I said, I'm your new intern. He's like, okay. And he threw his black book on my desk and he said, I want all the names in there on a, index card by the time I get to the office tomorrow. I'm like, okay, like th for this, I got a college degree, but no problem. But when I opened up his black book, you know, under the G's was Gary Bettman and under the O was Bobby Orr. And, you know, that, that first job was a highlight to me and something I've never forgotten, you know, having to, to roll your sleeves up and do hard work, but finding something so mundane, so gratifying, um, and, and actually getting something out of it. 
No, that's good advice, especially from the beginning of your career. Now, kind of sticking with the with the career, kind of mentoring and guidance. What what, what advice do you have for for young people out there who are? I think we'll stick with kind of looking to get into sports media. You, you've been watching for so long what's going on in the business. And, and I don't care if it's in Canada or the United States or around the world. Just what's your advice to people based on the stomach that obviously you need to have to enter this profession? So I'm going to go broader and just say, look, like I don't, it doesn't really matter the what it's, it's, I think it's, it's the perfect combination. And I hope they're tied together of, finding the thing that you're really good at and becoming best at it. And I hope that is tightly aligned and married to something that you're passionate about. Um, so if you can marry those two things and find whatever it is that you love doing, that you're really good at, um, do it and, and do it with your head high and be proud. Uh, I, I once hired an EA and she came in into the office and I said to her, okay, like, I like to have this discussion with my team. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, an EA. I was like, oh, really? Like no other, because this is what I like. This is what I'm really good at. This is what I wanted to do. And I was like, good for you. And she was the best EA I ever had. So I think that the sooner we all figure out in life what it is that makes us happy, that if you're happy doing what you're doing, you're going to do a good job at it. Um, and I think if you can focus on that in media, to me, if you want to get into sports media, you have to be willing to go anywhere and do anything. And that is very difficult. But if you want to get on air, you got to be willing to go to Saskatchewan. You got to be willing to go to Calgary. No, like you're smiling, but, but that is the reality. And if you're willing to pay your dues, I fundamentally believe that good things will happen to you and you will find the right people to get, to learn from and to look into. Um, sitting in Toronto, growing up in Toronto, uh, expecting to end up on the fan or, or TSN or, or Rogers, like that's hard. Like, first of all, it should be hard. It should be really hard to get those jobs. They should be highly coveted and difficult to attain. And the best way to get there in my experience is by doing and in so much, you know, Dan Shulman, used to ride up to Barrie every weekend to do sports highlights overnight on Barrie, Barrie television, right? Like a long time ago, but he put his, he put the time in. And I think that those opportunities are out there. They're not sexy. Uh, they don't pay well, but that's what I think you need to do. And, and whether it's being a camera person, an editor, a writer, whatever it is that, that you enjoy doing, find a way to get that experience, irrespective of where it is. You're only young once, take that chance and go. And that's that's great advice. We've heard it from so many of our guests, and I, you know, when you talk about Dan Shulman and so well documented, he's been on so many shows. Dan is uh, forever the voice of the Blue Jays for me. Thank goodness Sportsnet brought him back. Uh, Dan is an actuary by trade. For those who uh, who know his story, so he could have had a very different career path. He seems to have done quite well. And the reason why I was smiling earlier, now nobody sees this because it's a podcast and not a YouTube live stream, but. I thought you were going to say Flin Flon, Manitoba. That, that seems to be <laughs> go-to reference in Canada for places that we really don't know where they are. Well, I drove across Canada this summer and uh, made it into Regina, like wh wherever. Like, I, I don't care the where. You know what? You're right. It, it doesn't matter. But clearly, from a weather, climate, size of market, opportunity, like, you have to be willing to go anywhere and roll your sleeves up and do grunt work. 
And those are the experience, the experience of typing up Rick Dudley's black book, right? Like that to me, I remember, I remember sitting there, I remember going, this is ridiculous. I can't believe I took this. What was I thinking? And then I opened up the book and I saw those names and Rick's still a good friend. And that opened up a ton of doors for me. And I think it's, it's, it's 99% attitudinal and, and just be humble, figure it out, find the opportunity and go and then kick, you know what, when doing it and good things will happen. Yeah. For, for the stats part of it, you know, there's, there's 50 sports markets in Canada. When you look at the footprint of the, of, you know, the Canadian hockey league and it's three regional leagues, there's, there's lots of places for you to get that experience. So incredibly valuable advice, Jonah. Thanks for joining us today. Let's make sure the audience knows how to find you and your point of view, uh, whether it's on podcasts or on Twitter or online, what's, uh, how do they find you? Yeah, the easiest way is Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter a lot. It's at YYZ Sports Media, uh, YYZ being the Toronto airport code. Uh, at the time that you couldn't put, you couldn't have a long handle. So that's what I grabbed. Uh, the website's torontosportsmedia.com. And then the, the podcast, Leave in the Press Row, is on all your usual streaming services. Well, be well. And thanks so much for doing this. Anytime. Happy to talk to you. And uh, it's been really fun. The Backstage Project Podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Go. They help organizations create extraordinary digital products. To learn more, go to readysetgo.design. If you would like to get in touch with Mark and the team at the Backstage Project Podcast, please email us at info at tpbpodcast.com.